We're going to jump right into it. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. I'm happy you're here. I'm really excited. Uh, last week we had a really good week, but I see a lot of new faces, which is awesome. So this is going to be a different service. Probably right off the bat, you're thinking, whoa, I'm not starting with worship, and we're not. So it's going to be fun. Um, on these, these Sunday nights that we've started back up, if you haven't come to a Sunday night, then it's just the first time. But my goal is really that we go through this night on mission, purposeful, that everything we do isn't just time killer or time filler, but it's something that we do for a purpose. And we're going to go to scripture to find that purpose. So if you've been to a Calvary Chapel before, you know that we treat, we teach book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, verse by verse. So right now I'm, it's seeming more topical, but the reason is I want to unpack the things that we do, these sacred practices that we have as believers when we gather together, the gathering together of the saints on Sunday. So these uh, last week, I taught on why we pray or how we pray. It was maybe more unpacking of how to look at prayer and how we can use prayer and what does prayer look like in the believer. This week, we're going to tackle why we preach. But these four things that we're going to go through before we get into a book where I just want to set the tone and set the culture for our Sunday night family gathering is as believers, we get together, we open up his word. And I want us all to know why. Why do we open his word? Why does somebody preach? Why does somebody get up on a platform like this and teach out of, out of the word? Why do we pray? Why do we talk to our heavenly father, which I unpacked last week. I'll probably have to do it more because prayer is going to be an integral part of our Sunday nights. Why do we sing? Why do we sing as a body of believers? Why is Christianity known as the singing religion? Why do we lift our voices in song? And then why do we take communion? So I'm going to try to tackle all, all four of these things. And in doing these four sacred practices as believers, we fulfill the fifth and the one that we're doing right now. It's the gathering together of the saints. This is what we do as believers coming together. My, my daughter Everly is at that stage where everything is why. So whatever we're doing, and she needs to know the entire day. You ask my wife, she needs to know the entire day's plans right when she wakes up. So she needs to know everything that's happening throughout the day. She's going to be so organized when she's older, but she's in that stage of why, why, why? And she probably gets it. I I don't even falter for it. I don't get frustrated with her because I still, I feel like I'm in that stage where I'm always asking why. And, And a lot of this is what we're doing is birthed. Out of that, I ask myself why, even as a worship pastor. So um, if you're new here, sorry, I introduced myself. Um, I'm Pastor John Meek. I'm the worship pastor up on Sunday mornings. Pastor Rob teaches. Yeah, <laughs> Bailey. Uh, and then we've just started this Sunday night thing that we're starting back up. So Micah, who works with me. Uh, with worship. He does the worship. So we're going to go through all this together. This is a family. This isn't something on a Sunday night where we're going to show up, sit in seats and then leave. But this is something my goal on Sunday nights is that it is impossible. And I, I, I ask you to help me in this because this isn't, isn't just my thing that I can accomplish by myself. I need all of us in on this. It is my goal that people can't slide in and slide out of this service but that we lovingly draw people in because I truly believe that um, those who aren't the, the closer we get and engage in our church family with our brothers and sisters, 
the sweeter it is. And I really believe those who are on the outside, who it's really intimidating. I don't fault them for it. I understand it's really intimidating to to dive into that, but they don't know what they're missing. And I want to be that bridge that draws people in. And I, I hope and I pray that all of you would be missional about this with me as well, that as people start coming into this Sunday night uh, service, that we would be engaging with people and it wouldn't be something to where it's all about you come and sit in seats. And for some reason I'm up here and I talk for a certain amount of time and then we all just go back to our homes, but that this is a family. I really want this to be a family. Amen. So before we do anything else, I want to, I want to start by uh, reading the scripture. So if you need a Bible, Quinn, that handsome dude that's coming down the aisle, he will hand you a Bible. Just raise your hand. He'll give you one. We're going to be in second Timothy four, one through five. And following my senior pastor on Sunday mornings, we all stand for the reading of the word. So would you guys stand with me as we read 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5? I'll give you another second. Don't worry. There's no rush. All right. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we glorify you, and we lift you up. You're it. You're the the maker of the universe. And you've redeemed us through the giving of your son, the sending of your son. You've drawn us into the family and you allow us and you desire that we call you father. We ask tonight that all eyes would be turned to Jesus as we look to him who has made it possible that we are part of the family. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would lead all of us and guide all of us as our helper, as we engage in ministry, not just me from a pulpit, but Lord, as we get together as a family and we go through these sacred things that you've, you've put in place that the body would grow stronger. We ask this all for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. It's <laughs> so like I was saying, my, my daughter Everly is in that stage of why. And so I'm asking why for a lot of these things. And so the, the question I want to tackle tonight is, uh, why do we preach? Do we do it just out of habit? Do any of you, ha- have any of you thought of on a Sunday morning, if you attend a Sunday morning fellowship, have any of you thought through on, on any one topic? Have you thought through, well, why do we do this specific thing? Just me? Yeah. I get it. Not, so, so I'll give you guys one thing. This is totally my thing. The, the worship, well, Micah, the worship team totally knows this about me. So I cannot stand holding hands personally, cannot stand it. And I'll give you my reasons why. 
So I, and it's terrible as a guitar player, I have clammy and acidic hands, which is awful because I go through guitar strings weekly, but I cannot stand holding hands. So for the longest time, it was just like when like you have a group of believers, you know, so it's like, say there's a bunch of us up front here. It's like, hey, let's all hold hands. And it's just like this uniting thing. And everybody's like, yeah, let's hold hands. Let's agree. And I'm just, oh, it, it, I'm totally out of it. But I know I don't want to be the guy that breaks the unity and be like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not holding your hand. Sorry, I'm not holding your hand. So I just grit through it. And so forever, that was just the thought of like, why do we do this? So I'm looking for it. And if you're curious, it's not in scripture anywhere. It's not a sin. It's, it's a unifying thing, but it's not in scripture anywhere. So if you're like me and you have clammy hands, or you don't want to hold somebody's hand. It's okay. OCD, yeah. man. What's that? OCD. No, it's not that dude. I just don't like holding people's hands. So we, we ask these questions, why? And so when we get the answer, it's like my daughter. My daughter's not asking why for no reason. She's asking why, because even in her little mind, she's looking ahead. So when we have the answers of why we do what we do, it's not pointless. It's because it, it empowers us to move forward in whatever the thing that we're doing. If I were to say, pick up that shovel, the, the question you would say, well, why? Now, I can prepare you. The answer to that why is going to prepare you more for what's coming. I, you could assume I need you to dig a hole. Or what if I said, pick out that shovel. You said why? And I said, because there's a dog that's about to attack you. Your frame of mind, your, the next things that need to happen, it puts you more on point. And so that's what I want to do with all these questions of why we, why we pray, why we preach, why we take communion, why we worship, is to put us more on point of what we're running after. What are we, what are we trying to accomplish with this rather than just going through motions and turning our minds off, right? Does that make sense, this thought process? Okay, Bailey, you're going you're gonna to okay. chat with me through this whole thing, huh? <laughs> uh, so 2 Timothy, back to, back to the text, the background on the text. So we always want to read everything with, with context. This is Paul. He's in prison in Rome. He's about to be executed. He's writing his last and final letter to Timothy, which was, uh, that was his guy. Timothy was the one that he trained up. Timothy was the young guy. So Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Uh, so as you read second Timothy, you know, the mindset of this, this is Paul in prison, knowing that this is not going good. I'm about to be executed, uh, for my faith at the same time, Paul, because he has been in and out of prison. So many people that used to support Paul have now like backed away from him. Like that guy's getting in way too much trouble. He's in jail. Like, nah, I don't really, I don't really mess around with Paul anymore. And so Timothy is this is a guy who's putting everything on the line for his faith. He's been abandoned by a lot of people and he's writing Timothy. He wants to see Timothy one more time before he's executed. And he's putting Timothy on task. You imagine if you're writing somebody a letter and you will never see them again, it's not going to be a lot of fluff in that letter, right? You're probably going to talk about the things that really matter. So that's what he's doing in this letter. He's, he's telling Timothy the things that really matter. Um, Timothy at the time is, most likely still in Ephesus, continuing the ministry there that he started with Paul. Um, 
And uh, Paul threw it. If you look up, so we're in Second uh, Timothy four. If you look back up, you guys all know the verse: "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind." So that's Second Timothy one seven. So that's at the very beginning of the letter where Timothy is, or where Paul is thanking Timothy and telling Timothy to thank others for for uh, where Timothy has been. And then you imagine the mindset where Paul is in prison. So you imagine what it's like. If say you, so we're a body of believers and say, we just got a letter from someone who a Christian who's about to be killed for their faith. It's that's fearful. So are we going to continue in this thing? Are we going to continue in power? Are we going to continue in fear? So Paul is building Timothy up in his faith because he's no, he's not going to be around anymore. And he knows that this is, this is a serious deal. This Christian life isn't just sunshine and rainbows, but it's, it's hard, but don't be fearful because Christ is with me throughout it all. That though everybody has abandoned me, Christ is still with me. And Paul's saying this from prison. So we're just going to go through and unpack this reading. And as we do this, the main question that I want to hit is why, why do we preach? So it starts, uh, we're starting in four, one again, I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So it's, this is the charge. This is Paul. We're, we're four chapters into second Timothy. So Paul is giving a, a charge here um, before God and the Lord Jesus this is by whom and before whom I'm giving this charge. This is bigger than me. Paul is saying, this is not just me. Hey, I'm Paul. I'm your mentor. Just listen to me. Paul's appealing to a higher thing, a bigger picture. Timothy, I'm living for something larger than me. And therefore I'm appealing to you and charging you from something much larger than me. It's much larger than you that this is what you're going to live for. And this is what you're ultimately, uh, need to be ready to die for. Um, and then when he says at his appearing in his kingdom, so this will probably be a common thing you'll hear from me, but I, I think all of the, all the, the, the main message in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I believe is, although there's a, there's a ton in there, obviously, but I, th- I believe the main message that is happening through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the same story being told from four perspectives is the inauguration of Jesus as King. So the whole old Testament is, is leading up to this place where the, the people have been dispersed. Jerusalem is destroyed and they're waiting for the Messiah to come. That is Jesus coming on the scene is the messianic King. He's coming and him dying on the cross being raised is him being inaugurated as King. And so now we, the contrast people are living under his kingdom. So Paul is, again, he's appealing or he's, he's charging Timothy with something much larger than him. It's the kingdom that we live for. It's not this present age, uh, or this, the kingdom of this world, but the God's kingdom. So by God, Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, who's going to judge and by his kingdom. Um, and then right out of the gate, he kind of answers, here's the first why, just because I told you so preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So preach, herald it, explain it, say what, what has happened. Tell people what has happened and what is to come. This is, this is what we live for. So you need to be, you need to be telling people and you don't only do it when you feel like it. So that's what he's saying when he says, be ready in season and out of season. It's look, you need to be teaching in those times where, 
it's it's easy and i hopefully we've all experienced these times where where the lord leads us into something that actually is pretty easy and it feels right or whatever and it's easy and then there's times where man i'll, I'll be honest with you so on really long ministry days um today's a re- like the longest ministry day i have so been here got up at 5 and been here for most of it but i'm fine you get to, what I'm about to say, I'm gonna. It's gonna sound like, don't you dare talk to me after this. <laughs> um, but on long ministry, there's sometimes where it's like, um, like I want to get out of here, and then somebody starts talking to me, and I love them with all my heart, but my flesh, like the weak part of me, just wants to be like, can I please just go to my car? I just want to go, to, like, go get some food and take like a 10 minute nap because I got to be back here. So. In season and out of season, when you feel like it, and more importantly, when you don't feel like it, that's when you need to be preaching the word. It needs to be in you, and you need you need to be getting it out of you to other people all the time because this isn't something for you to hoard. And they're going to ask it from you when it's easy, and they're going to ask it from you when it's hard. And in both those times, you need to be doing it. People aren't going to know... So we've been, we've been all given this gift. We've been given this gift of, of salvation. I pray everyone in here is saved. If you're not, I would love to talk to you afterwards, but we all have been given this gift and it should be our life goal to then be giving this gift away, giving this eternal gift away. And people aren't going to know the good news unless we, we tell them. I, I mentioned it last week. If you look through scripture all of scripture, very rarely does the Lord work outside of human beings. So meaning very rarely does, does he not accomplish his will, what he's trying to do without bringing any human being just like divine working it. Granted, it's, it's, it's all divine, but do you understand what I'm saying? Where he uses people to accomplish his will. Even from the garden, he, he has created the garden that we would cultivate it. Uh, this is, he's given us a task as human beings, not just to be here and to be enjoying his love, but we have a mission. So all throughout scripture, he's using people. So how people hear the word is through same thing. God accomplishes his will through people. So how are people going to know if we don't tell them? That it's this exact idea, if you can real quick, flip to Romans 10, 9. Same, Paul's writing, Romans. Uh, and he says, uh, Romans, he, as he's going through Romans, he's unpacking that we're not saved by our works. It's a free gift. So it, it's our works don't complete our salvation. They don't begin our salvation. But our works are a byproduct of the work that Christ has done in us. Christ has done all the work. So we can't boast about it. It's not our righteousness. It's his righteousness. So Paul's unpacking this. And then he goes into that. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart. One believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will be, will not be put to shame for there's no, no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him forever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what he's saying all right there, if any of that sounds like 
a little chaotic to you. What he's saying right there is that this good news of the gospel, this good news of Christ coming and dying is not only for the chosen Jews. This is for the Gentiles. So we are Gentile. It's, this is for everyone. This is for the world. So what he's saying is that this good news that we have is for all who call upon the name of the Lord and everyone who calls on the Lord is going to be saved. And then he goes into, then how are these people going to get this message? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. That's Isaiah 52, 7. I'm going to touch on that in a second. Um, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have all obeyed the gospel, uh, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, and this is Isaiah 53, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So people need to hear. And for people to be hearing something, something else has to be making some kind of noise, right? So if, if someone's going to hear the word, then someone else needs to be saying the word and teaching the word. So we need to be preaching the word. Isaiah, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but Isaiah 52 and 53 are awesome because it unpacks what I was saying before about the kingdom. Isaiah 52 is there's uh, Jerusalem's destroyed. The, the, the chosen people are just spread out. They're in hiding. They've just been utterly destroyed God's people. And then the watchman on the tower is looking and he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so you imagine this messenger is coming with the good news. And the good news is that Jesus is King. That's the gospel for us that Jesus has come and that he is our King. And then Isaiah 53 goes into saying how not everybody's going to believe that good news. So who has believed our report? So this messenger comes and says, Jesus is King. Like he's defeated our enemies. He's defeated all the Pharaohs of the world, all the things that enslave us. He's defeated it. And now he is our King, but not everybody believes it. Not everybody believes that he's reigning as King. So that's what Isaiah is unpacking. But the point is that for people to be hearing it, we need to be preaching it. This is something you don't keep to ourself. Again, it's the gospel. This is the good news. This is what we, we live for. This is, if you had to sum up all the gospels into one thing, it would be Jesus is King. So this is, this is what we should be running after that. Jesus is King. You don't have to be a slave to Pharaoh and Pharaoh can be anything in your life that's enslaved you, but Jesus has conquered those things and you can live for him. And then ultimately one day when he comes to make a new heaven and a new earth, he will completely conquer all these pharaohs and completely level to where he is the only king. That makes sense? You guys tracking with me? Awesome. Uh, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So these are the things that you're going to do when you preach. This is what you're going to do with the word. You're going to convince people. You're going to use the word to convince them, not argumentatively. This is something that you're trying to win people to. So you're going to use the word to defend itself. You're going to use it to rebuke. So truth is never tolerant of a lie. You hear Pastor Rob say all that, all that all the time. So our that truth, we use scripture to to rebuke, to say this isn't how this goes, or this isn't how this goes, or this is how we handle this situation in the church. And this is how we handle this situation in family. This is our our playbook, our rule book. This is the the, the foundational truth that we all stand on. Does that make sense? 
Um, and then to, where are we? And then exhort, um, use it to encourage, use scripture to encourage each other, to encourage others and do this all with long suffering and teaching. Second Timothy, if you go back up, so second Timothy two twenty four says kind of the same thing again. This is the same letter that Paul's writing to Timothy and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to knowledge of truth. And they become to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So he's saying, come alongside people with this gift that you've been given, come alongside people, teach them the word. So don't teach them your opinions, teach them the word. And they're not going to be perfect just the way you weren't perfect when Christ came alongside you and started teaching you and you were unfaithful and you were going back and forth and changing your mind and messing up. So teach them and be patient and long suffering and walk that road with him, walk that road, teaching them, always pointing them back to always pointing them back to the word. This is how you're patiently with all long suffering and teaching, teach people. And then this is the why. Okay. So why do we need this? And tell me if this doesn't sound exactly like today for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. It's isn't that crazy. Something so long ago is so currently accurate right now. We want a gospel that says you link up with God and you get everything you want in life and life is easy and you can pray for anything you want and you get it. We want a gospel that says he's a genie in a bottle that you don't have to think of him. You don't have to have a relationship with him. But when you get in trouble, you just say a prayer and he's there and he's going to fix your problems. We have a culture that wants a gospel that says your salvation is yours and it's, it's your own spirituality, but you just keep it at home. So that's your thing that you do at home. You're spiritual. You're a Christian family. You're whatever. But that has no bearing on the public. That has no bearing on your neighborhood. That has no bearing on the government. That has no bearing on your workplace. That's your own private thing. These are all polar opposite of what the gospel is that we teach. The gospel that we teach infects every area of life. It, we don't keep it at home. It's not this, this genie bottle that we rub and it's our culture wants, wants it to be that way. And so as soon as somebody comes along with slick words that gives them a gospel that says this takes nothing, just God just wants you rich. God just wants you uh, whatever it may be, or, Hey, this is your, you're individually saved. And so just go be as Christian, in your home, someone comes along with that. People with itching ears will run after that all day long. The true gospel. And I don't know how to describe it. I don't even know if I could, but it's, it's so selfless and so scary, but at the same time, the most hope filled thing that you could ever encounter because it just rids you of all your own desires, all your selfish selfishness. And it's amazing. Once that stuff gets dug out, you realize that was the thing that was, that was burying you is, is thinking for your own desires and living for yourself. 
This is the gospel that we need to teach because there's false gospel that's going out. But you be watchful in all things. So Timothy, be watchful that you don't succumb to the same issues. Be watchful that you're teaching from scripture and you're not just giving your opinion. You're not just making your own stuff up because this is what you want the gospel to say. Teach from the gospel. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Endure affliction. So again, this is coming from Paul who's sitting in prison knowing that he's about to be executed. This is the weight of our Christian walk and we have it pretty easy uh, today. But the Christian life is going to be full of affliction. So don't be discouraged. This is again, Paul is saying from prison that everyone, all my friends have abandoned me. But he's not regretting it. He's not saying at any time, like, Timothy, I don't know if you want to go down this road. But he's saying, although everyone's abandoned me because of my chains, Jesus is still with me. And he'll be with me till the very end. And then I will be with him forever. His, Paul's eyes were set so far on eternity that he wasn't shaken by the, the pains or the suffering uh, of today. So what do we, what's the answer to, to why we preach? And so maybe you're wondering, dang, the facilities guys, the facility guy left his bucket up here. He didn't. This is mine and it's dirty because we're working on the house right now. So I have a quick analogy that I was just, was jumping in my head as I was going through this. Growing up, every project I did, not I did, every project around the house, my dad had this bucket. This is my dad's bucket. And from as early as I can remember, he always had me with him. Even if I couldn't do anything, I was too young to do anything. He just had me there. And this, this bucket is just was everywhere. And even if we went somewhere else, it was like, put the bucket in the back of the truck and we're going to go work on this. So as I grow up, I've, I've always seen this thing. And this bucket represented my dad having ability from learning from his dad to do things with his hands. And in this bucket was, were all these different tools and they all had specific purposes and there was correct ways to use them and use them and wrong ways to use them. My dad was really big on that, like the right tool for the right job uh, and, and using them correctly and putting them back, man, I got busted so many times for putting tools where they weren't supposed to go <laughs> or just not putting them back at all. And that was, that was really bad. Um, but he had all these skills. And when my dad would bring me around to work with him. He wasn't doing it so that he would, that I would look at him and go, wow, like he's, he's so rad. My dad can fix everything. He was doing it in order that I know my dad's hope. And he never even said this to me, but like it's common sense. My dad's hope was that one day that these were skills that he would just pass on to me that I, that I would be able to take and then use in my own life. And so now I stand here with my dad's not around. I have his tools that he left me. I have skills that over time, at first it was awful. At first I'm, you know, it's, it's painful. I'm hitting my thumb with the hammer or I'm awful with the tools. I'm clumsy with the tools, whatever it may be. I don't know how to do certain things. And over time, my dad through long suffering taught me 
And as he's teaching me, two things happened. He was teaching me a skill. He was teaching me uh, how to do things. But then two, I didn't realize he was teaching me how to teach because now I can look back and I can see how my dad taught me. And so where's that? Uh, Throw that picture up. Yeah. So that's my little man. So I can teach him. So my little heathen boy, if he starts to try to say that that screwdriver or that, that screw or the hammer is like a microphone or whatever it may be, I can say, no, 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 no. This hammer is a hammer and this is what this hammer is used for. So I'm keeping his doctrine in line. I'm telling him, Daxton, this is, this is what a hammer is for. This is what the wrench is for. This is what the drill is for. So his imagination is, is going everywhere and he just wants to have fun with it. But then I keep him in line with that. But then also I'm going to be able to pass on this, the skills and traits that my dad passed on to me and I'm going to be able to teach him. This is a visual aid, something that helps me think through. This is why we teach. The point is, is the point is not that you, this group of people, you guys would, like I was saying, my dad didn't do stuff with me with the work bucket just so I could be like, wow. He's so rad. I could never do that. My dad would be so frustrated if I, if I ever verbalized, I could never do that. Because he would say, this is the exact point of why you're here. Why am I doing this? Is that you can do this because I won't be around. I want you to have these skills. So the point of me preaching right now is not so that you all can be like, well, I can never teach. You can teach. And it's not that like I'm the teacher, you all are teachers. And hopefully through my, through my wins and through my losses, through good analogies, through bad analogies, through good sermons and bad sermons, you all are learning to teach. So you've gained understanding of second Timothy four, one through five, and you've seen how it can be taught and broken down. And now you can go and take the, the gift that you've been given and like I've passed on to my, or haven't passed on, he's too young, but how I can pass on to my son Daxton these skills that I've been giving. And this is how we, we teach the gospel. This is this, as the word is being planted in us, it's not just for us. It's not this individual salvation. Although we're saved as individuals, our salvation is given to us so that we can then be activated to be these little Jesuses running across the earth. Does that make sense? This puts us on mission. This puts us um, into action is that this isn't something that I'm saved and I have my thing, but it's like, I have to find somebody to pour this into. This has been given to me. I have to give it to someone else. This is the community mindset of us as believers. We are a contrast people. As I covered last week in the Lord's prayer, it's not full of me. It's full of us. Matthew six, look up the Lord's prayer. It's full of us. It's a community mindset. 